The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 72. At the end of the episode, we will have chapter 21 of Ain't No Messiah. That story, there's only three more chapters after this, so hopefully you guys are digging it. Want to hear the ending? Um, let's see, what is going on? It's been uh, an interesting week. Um, still kind of fasting, still. Um, I'm only doing like 12-hour fast, 16-hour fast. Nothing crazy this week. Um, this upcoming week, I may go longer again. I'm considering doing a 60-hour fast. Um, I enjoyed the 40-hour fast. That was nice. Uh, I'm just not sure whether or not the long fasts are the smartest way to lose the weight, but we shall see. So I'll probably give it one or two more days <clears throat> with how I'm going right now, but overall, still feeling good, still cutting out most of the sugars. Um, even if I am only fasting 12 hours a day, I'm still eating way less than I used to. Uh, so yeah, I definitely feel like I'm getting my weight under control, getting my body under control. Um some people hear that and get upset at me, especially if they're bigger, uh, because lots of people say, oh, you're in good shape, you don't need to lose weight, blah, blah, blah. But I know what my body fat percentage is, or around, um, and that I would definitely be healthier if I were to lose some weight. So, um, you know, especially nowadays, it's like, why not be as healthy as you could possibly get? Um... So, on the writing front, uh, I was very happy that Try Not to Die in the Pandemic, uh, the main story is finished. We still need to f- do the last chapter. Um, I gave John back my version of the main story, but I left the last chapter halfway, uh, just not complete. I have a bunch of ideas, but I was afraid that he might not be good with the ending I'm coming up with. Um, because I told him, I was like, I just cannot see a happy ending in this book. Like it is, uh, it's the pandemic uh, and the, the story's all jacked up. What happens to this kid and the girl he's interested in is just pretty awful. Um, but he wrote back to me, he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't think this can have a happy ending. So we were in agreement on that. And, um, so now I'm moving on to the death scenes. Just did one last night. I only had maybe half an hour to write an hour to write. Uh, but it just came so fast. And so the rest of these death scenes will be done relatively soon. Uh, So yeah, so excited about that. I just made Brightside. The original Brightside is now free on most um, sites. I don't know if it's not free on Amazon yet. I'm trying to make make that book permanently free. Um, I will also put it out on uh, my website for free. Um, that might take a couple days. I got a bunch of shit going on. Uh, so, but that's the game plan. Then I'll also send that to my newsletter subscribers. Another thing I am doing is, I mentioned it last week about putting out the rules. I still have not done that. I created the landing page for it. I, uh, I just need to put the book on book funnel so I could deliver it to the new subscribers. And there's some backend stuff I need to do with my automated system. Uh, so that's the hold up on that, but that should be going out pretty soon. If you guys haven't signed up, you could just go to marktulius.com. There's a newsletter sign up page and form at the bottom. Um, 
And what's really cool about that is I just finished reading a book called Newsletter Ninja for Authors. It was a very short uh, book, but also uh, easy to read, informative, let me know all the things I was doing wrong with my newsletter, how I was going about it. Uh, so I'm going to start implementing all those changes. I think it should be a fun newsletter, much more fun for me too, uh, because now I can actually... Well, I could have done it before, but I just didn't realize it. But I'll be asking a lot of questions. I want to get a lot of back and forth going between you guys. Um, I want you guys to ask questions of me, just as I'm going to ask questions of you, and uh, hopefully get some dialogue going. So for me, that is way more exciting than just me sending off a monthly email about whatever I've been doing. So uh, I thought this could be pretty fun. So I'm glad I wrote, read that book this week. I also began the Stephen King library all over, uh, so I started out with Carrie, his first book. Um, reading that's been interesting. Like I said, I don't have a lot of time, especially to read fiction, but um, and it's a short book, so I should be done in a day or two. Uh, if I hadn't been reading the newsletter Ninja, I would have been finished, but uh, yeah, so I will finish reading that and then do a review soon. Um, I have not done... Uh, I haven't started the metal blogs yet, and the reason for that is lot, many of them are written. I already have which bands I'm doing, what songs, what stories, and all that. Now I am waiting to hear back from a couple places that I pitched the idea to. I want to get it picked up by one of the major metal stations or uh, blogs that are out there. And so I think that would be awesome. So I, in the meantime, I'm just going to keep building it up. Um, and then I will release it all at once. No idea when that is, but I should have, uh, I'll include a message about that on my, uh, in my newsletter. And then if people are interested in getting those, being, being alerted when those new blogs go out, um, I'm sure there's a way I can set it up to where I'll give you guys a notice if you want to hear those ones. All right, what else? Uh, shit, I got a day late. I was supposed to have the podcast done yesterday, but we had a plumber here from 12 o'clock until I think he got done around 9 or 9.30 under the house just banging. He did an awesome job. Uh, we got a super cool plumber. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I wasn't able to record. It was just way too loud, and there was too much stuff going on. So that's why I'm doing this shit first thing Wednesday morning. Uh, next week we'll be back on the Tuesday schedule. And, shit, I don't think there's anything else I can think of. That's pretty much it. So let's get to the story. Uh, let you guys get on with your day. All right, here it is, Chapter 21 of Ain't No Messiah, narrated by Rick Cheddar. All right, guys, hope you have an incredible week. Talk to you later. Peace. Chapter 21 Lily turned three months on my first day home from the hospital. I was propped up on the couch watching the baby monitor, my angel asleep in her crib. Even if the TV were off, the rain from her sound machine made it impossible to hear breathing. I couldn't tell if the blanket was rising. I asked, She's supposed to be on her back? Danielle rocked away, the chair a constant squeak, her eyes never leaving the screen. You already asked that. I'll hear if she cries. I pulled out a letter from the closest of the three mailbags at my feet. It was addressed to the fake Messiah, but I opened it anyway. I was a sinner and going to hell. More of the same. I dropped it into the black trash bag. 
The next letter was sweet, said I was some kind of hero, someone she'd want her sons looking up to. Whether or not I really was the Messiah, I was a brave man. God watched out for me. I held up the check that came with it. Got another one. This time, Danielle looked. How much? Fifty. She shook her head and went back to her show. She'd lost most of her pregnancy weight thanks to her not eating, but that was taking its toll. I'd never seen her so tired. I felt like such a liar when I said, It's going to be fine. How? I had no idea, so I said, Just trust me. I reached into the bag and pulled out a long, thin box I didn't bother opening. Another candle. Great. I set it on the coffee table with a dozen others. Two regular Bibles, three lost Gospels, and a bunch of other religious crap. We're going to be fine. How, Josh? We'll file bankruptcy if we have to. How's that going to help? It'll get rid of the hospital bill and your credit cards. What about the apartment? How are we going to make rent? And the car? What about that? I'll start working again as soon as I can move a bit. A bit? The car had shattered most of my right side, punctured both lungs. I was at everyone's mercy. Unable to protect myself or my family, it was going to be a long and painful recovery, but I'd been through that battle before. I'll get there. You broke your neck. You're not bouncing again. We'll see. I recover quick. Lucas promised he'd find me something easy, and if it comes down to it, maybe you'll have to work for a little. What can I do? Go find a Waffle House to waitress at? She poked at her belly. Look at me. I'm disgusting. I told her she wasn't and said she needed to calm down. I don't need to do anything. My first instinct was to yell right back, but I had good reason to state meek. My broken body was a big part, but the doctor was afraid Danielle was dealing with postpartum depression, and I didn't want to say something stupid to set it off. I said I was sorry. I didn't mean to upset her. Danielle got up with a sigh and went to the kitchen. I opened a letter and dumped a silver crucifix. I tossed it onto the table and wished I hadn't a blast of pain exploding down my spine. While I waited for the pain to fade, I picked up the monitor and watched my baby. Danielle came in with a large glass of water and sat beside me. Put it down. She's fine. Are you? She nodded and took a drink. It's eight o'clock. You sure you want to watch it? Of course. She turned the channel and I pulled the paper from the envelope. It was a photocopied page from Father's updated Bible. The first time I'd seen the actual verse, Charles 3.16. Across the page in big black letters someone had scrawled, Do the right thing. Danielle said, we don't have to watch it. I balled up the paper and set it in the trash. Yeah, we do. Rather hear it firsthand. Know what people are thinking when they're sending us all this stuff. The opening credits of the program finished. Danielle sat down the remote and put her hand on mine. I must have winced because she said, Sorry, is this okay? I'm not sure if I answered because I was staring at myself on the television, my first time seeing things the way Jeremy did. The tape started with us crossing the street. Jeremy's fuck getting bleeped, me dropping the car seat, grabbing Lily, pushing Danielle to safety, her elbow that always ached, denting the forerunner's side panel. The camera got shaky, but Jeremy caught the whole thing, the black car barreling forward as I tucked Lily away and fell on my side. Then slow motion as the car smacked my foot, ran up my side, over my head, and smashed into the hospital's waiting room. Man saves his newborn daughter. The whole world has seen it. Over a half a billion hits. Some say it was a miracle. Some say he's the Messiah. Tonight, I speak with his father. The reporter turned toward Father. Thank you for joining us, Reverend Campbell. Father was sitting on the other side of the desk, either the makeup or time with Paul's roommate making him look ten years younger. 
Thank you for having me on this blessed day. The reporter looked unsure. Is today a holy day? Father's eyes were wide open, showing he had nothing to hide. Trust me, I'm not crazy. I just want to share a secret, a big one, one that's going to change your life, the life of all your loved ones, the truth. Every day I spread the word is blessed. First and foremost, I've got to shake your hand and say, well done. Father reached over and shook his hand. I'm not sure I understand. Sure you do, on your amazing success. Oh, I'm not the amazing one, Joshua, the reporter cut Father off. I don't know about that. I mean, he's clearly remarkable and my heart goes out to him and his family, but you've done quite a job yourself. Father thanked him but looked away. Your self-published book, The Book of Charles, sold 50,000 copies last week in the hardcover of The Lost Gospels and just made the bestseller list. I traveled to news stations all over the country. Whoever would have me, whoever would listen. It seems to have worked. Father nodded. Blessed days. I'll say that's a lot of money. I've been preaching this since Joshua was born. We have the largest church in the South and a formidable ministry spanning the globe. Seems like a pretty good deal to be Christ's father. His return has been a blessing for all. Some people say you're just praying on the weak. People are so scared with the way China's been acting. They say Americans will believe anything. Father held up his black leather-bound book, had it turned so we could see the title in red flames. Have you read it? Yeah, when I was a kid. Father kind of chuckled, but his eyes didn't. That was a different book. Barely, but not as scary. Father handed him the leather-bound book. I feel special. These things go for $99, plus tax and shipping, of course. So why do you think it has done so well besides the touring? It's the truth. People want to hear it. The world needs a Messiah. They have one, my son. A lot of people have questioned whether he's even your son. He's never talked about it, and there's not much of a family resemblance. Father reached inside his suit and brought out a white envelope. Would you like to see photos? I have his birth certificate in here, too, if you'd like. That's not necessary. Then why bring it up? Father tucked it away and said, Believe what you will. I know and my congregation knows. And now, thanks to you, all of America knows who he is. This is his return. You expect everyone to just take your word as truth? Joshua has nothing to prove. He's already saved at least three lives. Miracles, if there ever were. The guy rolled his eyes. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. You're talking about when he worked at the carnival? And the factory, his daughter, and those are just the ones caught on camera. He doesn't save everybody, though, does he? He will save the just, those that believe in him, that praise his name. The photo of Michael, the Vegas banker, filled the screen. Nice, clean-cut, sharp blue suit, purple power tie, one hand around his wife's waist, the other holding their baby boy. The camera went back to the reporter, who asked, So are you saying this man wasn't just? That is not what I said. I did not know this man, but all the testimony I read said that he was inebriated, molesting women and fighting. Doesn't sound like a saint. Wow, how old Christian. That was all part of the problem the first time around. The Messiah was weak, didn't want to hurt anyone, but God has always warned not to disbelieve, for there will come a day when they stand before my son. The sinners will pay for what they have done. That sounds like a threat. Difference between a threat and a promise. But that's only if they die after Joshua. He held up the book. Isn't that right? I don't care if you think I'm crazy. I don't care if 90% of your audience does too, because you've just exposed all those others to the truth, maybe offered them salvation. Well, then I guess we better end this here before you gain another convert. 
Danielle turned it off and tossed the remote onto the pile of candles. Nice to see it's not just my brother making money off us. Thanks to all the views of his viral video, Jeremy was bringing in enough to get his own place. I said, he's still helping with the rent. He didn't have to do that. How generous. He said he'll cover all the rent once his site is big enough. He said all we need is another video. Meaner than I'd heard her in a long time, she said, like of you almost dying. That's not going to happen, so relax. It's just such bullshit. He sits back and hauls in the money, and I sit here taking care of you. It's not permanent. I can provide for us. How? Thinking of Jeremy gave me an idea. I could make this work for us. She saw where I was looking. How are we going to live off candles? I'd return them, but we'd get maybe 10 or 20 bucks for the lot. These people all want my blessing. Just imagine what my blessing and my autograph must be worth. I'd say 50 bucks minimum. Danielle looked at the bags of mail for the first time in longer than I remembered. She sounded hopeful, but then returned to her new normal. But those people sent these things expecting them back. Sure, some did, but you know how many enclosed postage for me to return it? She didn't guess, but was still correct. I told her, I'm considering all these as donations. It took a second for her smile to spread. As long as you promise not to send yourself to hell for stealing their stuff. That's more like it. We're going to be fine. But how? We got a store? With what money? No, only online. No interaction with anybody. You know how to do that stuff? No, but Jeremy does. Well, I'll add our items to his website. She searched my face. You really think this could work? Why not? People buy anything. The idiots that bought Father's book will buy them for sure, and with the way Jeremy's website's taken off, I can't see it not. She said she didn't know, but when I offered to call Jeremy, she shook her head. I'll call him. I don't want him back in your life. Lily was going to turn one in a few days, but I wasn't parked across the street from the gated community to deliver an invitation. The sun beat down on the limousine tent, but air conditioning made it bearable. I was beginning to think maybe I'd better get back home, but when a young kid in a silver BMW pulled up to the front gate, I gunned it across the street and followed the car in, turned right at the clubhouse, finally seeing why everyone was talking about this part of town. Jeremy had moved up in the world, and quite a few notches. None of the houses were less than 5,000 square feet, nearly half with full sale signs, but all with immaculate landscapes, beautiful flowers, and green grass defying the summer heat. His house was down the last street to the left, a huge villa with white walls and a red roof. I turned off the car and got slammed with the heat. No one was outside, so I hopped over the side wall and dotted to the garage, peeked through the window parked inside with a white Range Rover I'd seen once before and a full-size Mercedes too new for a license plate. I crept up to the front door and heard the TV. The doorbell rang for ten full seconds. When it stopped chiming, everything went quiet. I waited for footsteps, but none was coming. I knocked at the door. Open up, it's me! Not a sound. I know you're in there! The sweat dripped down my back and I had to get home before Danielle started freaking out. Don't make me bust this door down. The door looked thick, but I didn't care. Besides, some limitations with my neck and right hip, I'd almost fully recovered. I gave him five seconds, then slammed my shoulder about two feet above the lock, eliciting a loud crack. Sounded like he couldn't be more than a few feet from the door. Jeremy said, What the fuck? Hold on! I stepped back and took a deep breath. I blew it out and unclenched my fists. 
Jammy peeked out his hair all over the place, nothing on but a pair of basketball shorts. I was going to get it. I shoved him aside and closed the door behind us. What the hell is your problem? He reeked of vodka, but I ignored it. For one, how about you trying to lock me out of your house when I let you live in mine? It wasn't your house. You weren't even paying rent. I got in his face and backed him into the living room. Two chicks with 69 and in silence on his big screen. Shiny leather furniture taking up the floor. Gaudy paintings plastering the walls. I pushed him down on the couch. What's up, Josh? You know what's up. You haven't answered your phone in two weeks. Jammy looked at the clock. Keeping a low profile since the China thing started getting ugly. No one is worth less than 10 million has ever been kidnapped. You never know. Cut the shit, I said. I don't know why you're so pissed. You didn't listen to any of the goddamn messages I left. You think I'm that stupid? Jammy grabbed the remote and turned off the TV. You can't be serious about taking it down. We were talking about the latest Messiah movie he'd put up on his website. All the things he took out of context from the times he supposedly wasn't recording. A collage of all the pictures, beginning with the church sign that started it all. I told him I couldn't be more serious. Shut it down. Take the whole thing down. You're crazy. You're greedy. Have you seen how many fans we have? It was in the millions. At least half of them believers. Way less than Father had, but catching up fast. I don't care. You never should have put it up in the first place. I had to, but that was the only way to keep the site going. With all that traffic, it's not free to run, you know. I'm done talking about it. Take it down. Why ruin a good thing? You guys are still cashing the checks. Yeah, the money made off me. Try telling me business hasn't doubled since this video. I don't need you to sell them. Jeremy laughed. You gonna do it yourself? Danielle's a quick learner. I bet. The way he made it made me stop. What's that mean? It means she ought to think twice about fucking me over. What I wanted to do was kick his ass, but I couldn't because of Danielle. She doesn't even know I'm here. I need to call her? Yeah, ask her how scared she is. These people are fucking crazy. She's paranoid. You don't think there's anything to worry about? People are full of shit. They're all cowards. I reached into my pocket and pulled out the envelopes, threw them at his chest. What the fuck? Read one. Jeremy looked down at them, then back up at me. Pick one up and read it. He snatched one up and took the letter out of the envelope, a shiny razor blade fallen to the floor. Out loud. In his stupid-ass reporter voice, he said, Dear Messiah, my daddy's dead and my mama's real sick. She said she's got cancer. Please do the right thing. We can't wait anymore. I got bags of that shit. It's just some kid. For everyone like his, I got ten others threatening to do it for me. It's enough. Jammy didn't say a word, wouldn't look me in the eyes. Your niece deserves a daddy. I'm not getting killed so you can make money. His eyes flashed cold, his face rigid. Talk to my sis. Tell her what I said, then call me back. No, I'm telling you now. Shut it down. That's a bad move. I took the envelope from my lawyer out of my other pocket and handed it to him. It will be for you if you don't do what I say. Lily's hair was down to her shoulders, still curly as ever, at two and a half. She had on her fuzzy brown sweats and matching shirt that said, Mommy's Little Monkey. She was dancing her dolls on the coffee table, making it impossible to finish her ponytails. I grabbed a handful of hair and started to twist the rubber band around it. You need to hold still, beautiful. Lily kept swaying back and forth, and the hair came loose. Okay, I said. I guess you don't want to go. 
She sat down both dolls and put her little fingers in the air, began orchestrating Itsy Bitsy Spider. I said, that's so sad. Lily stopped her song and turned to me, her dark eyes so serious. What's sad? I really wanted to go have fun, but I guess we have to stay home. Her lip trembled. What? If you don't want to stay still so I can fix your ponies, we can't go. I want to go. I do too, so look straight ahead and hold very still. She did exactly as I asked, and I finished her hair in under a minute, careful not to spray her face when I woke up her curls. Okay, I said. Let's turn around and see. Everything good about Danielle was magnified in Lily. So much love in one little girl. A smile that made my heart burst. People always say Lily has my smile. But I must have hers because mine wasn't there before she came along. Lily had to know how I felt about her, but I never left that to chance. I bent over and kissed her forehead. What a wonderful little girl. She grabbed the water bottle when I put it down. Daddy's turn. Just one. She nodded and sprayed my face. I went to get the bottle back, but she was already spraying it into her mouth, laughing as it dribbled down her chin. I said, well, get you a juice from the kitchen. Lily got excited and pointed at the ceiling, her eyes as big as could be. Spider pig. I didn't hear, please. The second Lily's lips started to move, I scooped her up and pressed her over my head so her hands and shoes were on the ceiling. We spider-pigged around the living room, climbed over the drop into the kitchen. I was just about to yell out to Danielle that we were ready, but she was already waiting for us at the door to the garage, looking pretty in pre-pregnancy jeans and a light blue blouse. I set Lily by the fridge and poured her some juice, didn't bother asking Danielle whether or not she'd already done it. Danielle and I hadn't talked much all morning, so I said, are you ready for the big day, Mommy? When Danielle didn't answer, Lily asked, Why Mommy cry? Danielle had twin lines of mascara down both cheeks, the first time I'd seen any makeup in months. We can't do this. Mommy be silly. I saw she wasn't, but said, Sure she is. Go get me my keys, sweetheart. They're on the table. Lily ran out the kitchen, and Danielle twisted her hands back and forth. I'm serious. We can't go. Come on, babe, don't do this. She shook her head. We'll do something special here. You can't pull this, not today. It's not safe. We promised her. She's two. She'll forget all about it by tomorrow. I won't. Lily came running back to me. Daddy, Daddy, no keys. I put my hand in my pocket and said, Silly Daddy, here they are. Danielle bent down toward Lily. I'm sorry, baby, but we can't go. Lily's face melted, and she threw herself on the ground. I shushed her and said, We're going. Danielle said we couldn't. I helped Lily to her feet and brushed off her pants. I turned to Danielle and told her, Lily and I were going and would very much like for her to come. She asked if I was serious, so I picked up Lily and gently moved Danielle to the side so I could enter the garage. By the time I had Lily strapped into the car seat, Danielle was ready. The mascara washed off her face. Lily squealed in delight, and I opened Danielle's door. She hadn't been in it since I installed the bulletproof glass, so I tapped on the windshield to remind her. See? Nothing to worry about. I opened the garage door and started the car, eased down the driveway. Unlike Jeremy, we didn't have a gate to keep people out. I looked up and down the street, checking for anyone sitting in a driver's seat. Down at the end of the block, all the way to my right, there was someone in a gray coupe. I pulled out and headed right for him. Danielle said, It's the other way. I looked back at Lily. Crazy driver, okay? She squealed in happiness and held onto the sides of her car seat. Oh no, crazy turns! Danielle asked what crazy driver was. 
I floored the gas pedal and streaked past the Honda before the driver sat up. The turn was coming up quick, but I kept my foot on the gas and my voice playful. Uh-oh, hold on, I said. You holding on? Hurry, hurry. Lily was hanging on, shaking her body side to side in anticipation. Danielle sounded worried when she said, You better not do it. I did it anyway, spinning the wheel to the right, my tires screeching more than I wanted. Lily cheered, but Danielle was pissed. What the hell do you think you're doing? It's just a guy from the network. I made the next ride and looked past Danielle, spotted the tip of the Honda. He's harmless. Danielle clutched the door handle and put her other hand on the glove box like that would help. Jesus Christ, slow down. We were hauling ass, but it was two o'clock in the middle of summer, a couple of cars here and there. She likes it, I said. Look at her. Lily was cracking up. Again, again. I looked at my rear view. Didn't see the Honda. Just Lily's big brown eyes. One more? She started her shaking and squealed when I whipped the wheel to the left, our house just two houses back the other way. Danielle turned around in her seat. Where is he? I lost him. Almost always do. Ain't that right, Lily? Crazy driver. Danielle pouted. None of this is funny. I made another turn, realized Lily had stopped laughing. I said, guess not. What? What's that mean? I turned on the radio and cranked up Mary Had a Little Lamb. Not now. The mall was only a few songs away, no one bothering to talk the rest of the ride. I parked as close as I could to the side entrance and reassured Danielle we had nothing to worry about. You've said that before. I turned off the engine but let old MacDonald play since Lily was singing. Nothing's gonna happen to us. What about the kidnappings? Who told you about them? I heard. I was hoping she meant some friend I'd never met because we'd agreed it wouldn't help her condition to watch TV. It wasn't healthy for her, even when it wasn't about me. If we had that kind of money, we wouldn't be living here. Lily had stopped singing, her head turned toward the window. We're here! We're here! I was looking at Danielle when I said, Yes, we are. And we're going to have a great time, right? I'm not much of a hat guy, and baseball's about as boring a sport as there is. But I was sponsored by the Los Angeles Angels, so I put on my cap and added some dark glasses. By the time I got around to the other side of the car, Danielle was getting Lily out of her car seat, arguing over something. I said, what's the problem? She wants to take her blankie. Is it a big deal? It is if we lose it. Just leave it in the car. Daddy! Danielle shushed her. Don't you want to be a big girl? Lily said something I couldn't hear. Good girl, Danielle said. You're too big for that. We crossed at the crosswalk, not far from a group of teenagers sitting along the flower bed, a cloud of cigarette smoke hovering over them. When one said something about the Messiah, everyone turned their phones my way. I told Danielle to carry Lily inside. A young punk in a bright blue shirt hurried over to me, his hand in the air. The letters I got came from all over the world, from all kinds of people. Most of them didn't include their picture, but even if they did, there'd be too many to memorize. So not knowing who the hell this guy was or what he had in mind, I closed the distance, jammed one hand into his throat, the other into his armpit. The kid bounced back with a loud yip. What the fuck, man? I was giving you a high five. I felt bad about it, but said, I don't know you. He held up his phone and snapped a picture. He started typing. Yeah, well, I know you. I urged Danielle to walk faster for the door, head to the indoor play area. The girl at the desk was nice and let Danielle and Lily into the back while I signed the waivers and paid admission. When I got back there, Lily was already at the top of the highest inflatable slide, both arms waving. She slid down with the biggest smile, ran right by me, and went back to the slide. Danielle asked if everything was fine. Yeah, nothing to worry about.
You sure? Lily got up to the top of the slide. When she didn't come right down, I said, What's wrong, baby? What's wrong with her? Danielle said. You said she loved this place. She does. I walked to the bottom of the slide and called up to her. Come on, Lily, you know how to do this. You love it. Lily shook her head and started to cry. The sticker on the bottom of the slide said the weight limit was 200 pounds, but I went up anyway. When I got up beside her, she curled against my side and said, Hold me. Want me to hold your hand? No, hold me, please. I looked at the row of people standing behind Danielle, half of them aiming their phones at us, the other half typing away on them. You don't like them watching. It's okay. Just ignore them. The punk in the blue shirt started a chant. Go! 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 Danielle turned around, then looked up at us. Her voice trembled when she said my name. Lily said, Hold me, Daddy. I put Lily on my lap, wrapped both arms around her, and kissed her forehead. Daddy's got you. Danielle took Lily from me when we reached the bottom. Her eyes were dark with concern and uncertainty. Honey, who wants to get a pretzel? Lily cheered up a little. I like sugar. All right, Danielle, let me talk to these guys. When I wave you ahead, you take her out the front and get her a cinnamon pretzel. I'll be right behind you. I told you we shouldn't have come. Just do as I say. I pushed back a strand of her hair that come loose from one of Lily's ponies. Mommy's going to get you a pretzel, and then we'll come back and play. Daniel nodded at the pricks behind her. What about them? The group had doubled more people on the way. Harmless, I said. Just wait for the wave. There was no one who could stand up to me, so I walked right up to the punk and raised my hand at the last second. He flinched and jumped back tripping over the girl in the red movie theater uniform. There, now you guys have a clip to show all your friends. I was just going to give you a high five. The punk got up to his feet, didn't look too happy that half the group was laughing at him. Now how about you guys get going and let me have some time with my wife and kid? A couple of people walked away, but Blue Shirt with red face just stood there staring. I waved Danielle to walk through the crowd. I waited a few seconds before I started after them. A couple of people were making comments. Someone said, Damn, Miss Messiah still got that fat ass. I didn't see who said it, but that was for the best. Anything I did to the coward could be caught on tape and used in court. Danielle and Lily got in line at the pretzel store, and I was about to join them when loud moans coming from behind me stopped me in my tracks. I turned and saw Blue Shirt holding up his phone, something dancing across the screen I couldn't make out. A girl I hadn't thought of in a long time. Don't you want to fuck me? Lily was within hearing range. I ran up to him and snatched the phone out of his hands. He said, what the hell? I threw the phone as far as I could, watched it sail across the mall. I'm going to sue you. Danielle and Lily were walking back to me without a pretzel. I pointed them to the electronics store, figured we'd let Lily pick a present and try to salvage the day. What was that? Danielle asked. I led the way to the back of the store where they kept the kids' games. It's nothing, just some jerk trying to earn cool points with his friends. Danielle looked scared. I want to go home. We were walking through an aisle of computers that sprang to life, a bunch of guys cheering. Is that okay? A woman said. You like that? It was me on the screen, a firm blonde and a G-string sitting on my lap. Her nipples swaying inches from my face, a bunch of guys cheering in the background. Oh my God, Danielle said. Is that you? My hands were on her waist, but what was I supposed to do? I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't even want to be there. You're smiling. When was this? Who's this whore? No wonder why you don't want me watching anything. 
That was the goddamn bachelor party you made me go to. Jeremy got me pretty drunk, but I didn't do anything, I swear. Danielle started down the aisle, pulling Lily behind her. Just great. What are we going to tell your daughter? Think what you just did to her. An older man in the same blue shirt ran by us, shouting at the punk behind the counter, yelling at him to turn that off. The video fast-forwarded, then started to play again as the punk blocked the counter, told the manager he didn't give a fuck he was fired. Danielle was talking, but her voice came in surround sound, telling me to relax. Just relax, sweetie. She would take care of me. I turned to the computers, Danielle and her nurse get up, her hand pumping my cock, the perfect angle captured by a pro. Danielle screamed like a banshee, grabbed the closest laptop and slammed it shut. Another fast forward, another scene, the two of us at the baptismal tub that night I'd lost my mother. The angle capturing all the action, no way it could be dumb luck. Slam, slam, slam all the way down the aisle, Danielle in berserker mode. Lily crouched into a ball at my feet while Danielle turned to the PCs, ripped free a remote, and smashed every screen on the way back to us. I grabbed hold of Danielle and held her tight, doing my best to keep my voice down, making her look at the computer. What the fuck is this? Her face was a mess of confusion and anger, her voice hysterical when she said, He swore he got rid of it. I said, Who's the whore? Those were the same words Danielle had used. But this time, they sounded so much worse. The effect immediate and devastating, dropping her to her knees like a shot to the solar plexus. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.